Welcome to the Empowering Midlife Wellness Podcast, where we talk about everything to do with midlife women's wellness and creating the best second half of life. I'm your host, Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. I'm a board-certified gynecologist, certified menopause practitioner and hormone replacement specialist, as well as an ICF-certified life and leadership coach and lots of other things. So if you want to check me out and learn about my private practice and other offerings, my website is www www.drsusan.com. That's D-R-S-U-S-A-N.com. It's my commitment to stay neutral by not accepting advertising dollars from sponsors. So all of these episodes are offered freely. And the best way that you can help this podcast is to share it with your friends, leave a positive review, and also keep in mind this is simultaneously posted in video format on YouTube, where you can find me by searching for Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. This week on Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm revisiting an old idea about the association between generosity and joy and how being generous in whatever form that might take for us can help us to feel happier and free us from that tight space of feeling that we have not enough because we really do have enough. Hey friends and welcome to this week's episode. So last week I was sharing a little bit about what I remembered when I went on a retreat. And since we've got our big retreat coming up on May 5th, I'm still kind of in retreat mode and in the vein of empowering midlife wellness and just not forgetting that mental well-being is probably the most important thing. Hormones, nutrition, optimizing our body composition, getting the right vitamins and supplements. Yeah, that's all really important. But I want to talk a little bit more about this because I'm sort of jazzed up about it. And this particular brain hack that I'm going to share with you is not new. It's just something that I forget and remember all the time personally. So I was looking back at some of the things that I'd written in the past. Uh, back about 10 years ago, I wrote a blog about generosity and joy. And I'm going to post that somewhere again because it's just still pretty good information. And when I read it, I'm like, wow. I took a little break from that, um, not that I wasn't being generous, but just a little break from the understanding of how important that can be if we want to create the environment to feel happier. So I talked about some of the other, I'm just going to call them brain hacks, because they just kind of are. You know, we search so hard for how to be happy, and it is pretty funny that uh posts like this about something that's not like a quick fix, like a vitamin or what's the next best thing, get a whole lot fewer views than posts about, you know, do this easy thing and you'll suddenly be taller or thinner or whatever, which just speaks to this human desire to get everything right now, right? We're just not very patient. I'm not very patient. So these techniques are a little bit different. They're more like lifelong practices and, you know, they take a little bit of time to master, but some of them are super simple. And I talked about some of them last week. And here's another one, which is really thinking about the relationship between generosity and joy, which is just a cool idea, I think. And once in a while, I really can understand that. And then I forget and remember, but it's a really simple practice. So going back to this idea that human beings by nature are trying to survive. And so, you know, we do focus on negative things. That's a neurological fact of science. 
and focusing on positive things can feel a little bit dangerous because it's not related to survival. And so again, as I spoke about last week, that sets up a situation where we can be very tight and small and we don't really want to lose anything because we're kind of trying to hold reality as it is and keep everything just as it is because we've got a very small idea of the way things should be. You know that idea of the way things should be? They should be a certain way. So if things go differently, we feel like something's wrong. It should be this way. Why did this happen? You know, why is it raining? I wasn't supposed to go that way in the stock market. I wasn't supposed to gain weight. I shouldn't have got divorced. You know, the list can go on and on because we've got a very tightly narrow idea of the way things should be. And so in that constant attempt to hold everything in place, which by its nature is impermanent. So if we believe that everything's changing, which is just another scientific fact, trying to hold things in place and keep things just so is really exhausting and actually is the origin of stress. And so I really think this is true. And it's not, I didn't invent this, but it's a very ancient concept that all stress or all dissatisfaction is caused by the idea that things should be different than they are. Either we're trying to hold on to something that's going away, you know, maybe it's our children, our youth, a relationship, our money, our new whatever, right? Trying to keep it that way. Or we're trying to push something away that we don't like. Like, I don't like that, uh, make it go away. In other words, we're resisting the way things are. And so it's just such an interesting concept. And I cannot think of a single example in my own life of where that isn't true. 100% of the time, my stress and my suffering, worry, anxiety, however it shows up for you, is always some form of me not liking it the way it is. I want, I want it different. I just want to be somewhere else doing something else. I don't like this. So my first thought when I learned about this, and you might be thinking the same, is that, wait a second, if I just accepted things the way they were, wouldn't I turn into just a blob that didn't do anything? Because I want to be an activist. I want to make things better. I want to continue improving and learning. And so if I accepted things as they are, I wouldn't do that. Well, that's not the way I'm talking about it. I'm talking about accepting the way things are. And then from that place, making a wise decision about how to move forward, making a change that is helpful, fruitful, all of those good things. So you certainly can be in a place of both acceptance and being an activist of whatever kind at the same time, that doesn't mean you have to stop trying to make things as good as they can be, but it's such a relief to stop fighting all the time with reality. It's just exhausting and it doesn't work because guess what? The universe doesn't really care what you think. (laughs) It just keeps on going. So what's that got to do with generosity? Well, kind of a lot, I think, because you know if you start by just understanding that we have this nature to be kind of small and tight and keep everything for ourselves, which would have made a lot of sense if we were only thinking about survival. That does not feel very good. I mean, even when I just get in that position of just, you know, this position versus that position, it just feels better, doesn't it? So generosity doesn't have to be 
giving a lot of money. I mean, that could be one way to, to be generous, but giving our time, our money, our talent, even giving to ourselves or just giving warmth or a smile to strangers. It can be things that are very small, but I think it's pretty powerful how that can really be a brain hack if you're not feeling great. So an example, um, if I'm feeling really kind of stuck and small, maybe I'm feeling really anxious and, you know, I've got my kids are leaving and life's about to really change and that could feel really stressful and small and lonely and all of the things. If I just you know, go running around the park and make a point to look at everybody in the eye and smile, it's just, it's crazy what happens when you do this. Uh, the Dalai Lama once said when he was asked, uh, how do we become happy? He said, turn up the corners of your mouth, which is very cute. But if you try it, that actually does release serotonin. If you're just feeling really miserable, turn up the corners of your mouth. And that, that's a generosity practice to yourself. You could smile at other people. You might donate money. You might donate time. There's a million ways to give. I mean, anytime we're being generous, the point is we're breaking that cycle of tightness and keeping everything for ourselves. Because we're in that space of tightness and having everything for myself, which no judgment, I have that all the time. And you can just feel it in your body, what that feels like. When we're in that space, we're in that space of not having enough, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, and I'm therefore gonna keep everything. So if we practice generosity, even by smiling at strangers or saying good morning to someone on the elevator or making a point to connect with people in any way that you can to give of yourself. It doesn't cost any money. It really doesn't even take any time. We're actually practicing ways to break that cycle of clinging and tightness and resisting accepting reality. Does that kind of make sense? So I, I think of generosity, I mean, it's got benefit for the other person, but I'm actually thinking of it from a little bit of a selfish point of view, the benefit that I get for feeling better when I'm able to open up from that space of not enoughness. So if we practice generosity, we're actually proving that our little small self is wrong about this story that we're not enough. Because when we're giving to others, we're actually proving through practice, that we have actually endless amounts of love. We've got endless amounts to give. It's a story that we don't have enough. And that story is biological. It's not our fault. We're all born with it. But we do have to practice. I have to practice in order to break that story down. And a really easy way to do that is just adding to your list of intentions every morning to practice generosity in whatever form that might take for you. You know, we don't want to be irresponsible about generosity and give away all of our money or give away the kids' college funds or the house or, you know, maybe we want to do that, but it could be very small things. So just give it a try. I just have never met a person who has not experienced joy when being generous. Now, when, one of the little caveats that I can get stuck in is giving to somebody because you want something back, is really not generosity. That's kind of a contract. You know, when we say, I've done it, after all the things I've done for you, how come you didn't do this? <laughs> you know, that might have come out of my mouth a few times. Uh, that's a contract. You know, when we're giving to expect something back, but you know, true generosity, just giving without the expectation of getting anything back, is where we experience that openness and, and that getting in touch with 
that story about not being enough is not true because look, you are enough. And, and just that gesture that I'm making, which goes along with generosity, is a gesture of openness and connection and breaking us free from this untrue story that we're separate, alone, deficient, etc. Right? I mean, I know you understand this because I live in it. We all do as human beings. So give it a try. Uh, and it is one of the easiest brain hacks to developing more happiness if we just set some intentions. And I mentioned last week, I truly have to do it every day. I, I really do. Because <laughs> I forget. Just I can forget for days or weeks. And you know, one of the little... I use a lot of sayings and uh, little phrases just to remind me of things. One of them, probably my favorite at the moment, is if you want to feel good do things that you feel good about. It's just so simple. If you want to feel good, do things that you feel good about. Now, when has that ever not been true? So when I think about times that I felt good, it's because I've been acting in a way that I feel good about. I'm in line with my core values. Everything's in alignment. Uh, I'm doing those things that I mentioned are my core values. And there's a longer list, but things like love and kindness appreciation, gratitude, forgiveness, all those lovely things. When I'm acting in a way that illustrates that's really who I am, I feel good. And then when I act nasty, mean, say things that are unkind, keep things to myself, don't be generous, I feel terrible. And and then that's kind of what some people call karma. And I don't mean the kind that we might have learned about in elementary school where God strikes you with lightning because you misbehave. It's not like that at all. Really, it's just the idea of action having consequences. So 100% of the time, when I do X, this is the outcome. For example, 100% of the time, if I speak unkindly, I am going to feel like shit. (laughs) That is my punishment. I don't need to be punished by being struck by lightning. My punishment is when I act unkindly, I feel terrible. That is the karma. I feel terrible and then maybe I lose a friend or maybe people don't trust me as much or maybe people don't want to be around me or I've damaged a relationship and somehow caused discomfort and that's my discomfort. So that's the karma part as far as I understand it. It's just simply that actions have consequences. And similarly, 100% of the time, when I'm generous and when I smile and when I'm kind to somebody or if I give money when I have it available to someone who needs it, I feel good. I feel great. It's like connecting us with that higher sense of what's good. And those are a lot of names for that. And I don't want to get stuck with one or the other. Some of us have the God. Some of us have a higher self. Some of us have a different version of that concept of the goodness that's higher than this small person, right? It's like a connection. So when we're generous, we're just tapping into that what's already there, that truth that we are enough, because we can't be generous if we're not enough, right? That's just mathematically impossible. So when we act in a generous manner, we're breaking down that story. And I talked about some other ways to break down those stories last week, but Breaking down those stories that are not true, to me, I think is really just such an amazing, easy, and fruitful thing to do. So when I 
act in a way that is out of alignment with my core values, I suffer. Uh, sure as heck, other people do too, but just this one does, and that's karma. And action leading to certain consequence, there's a lot of ways that we see that in our lives, right? If I eat sugar late at night, I can't sleep. If I drink wine late at night, I can't sleep. <laughs> I have a lot of experience with not sleeping. You know, we eat certain foods, we gain weight. I mean, it's like, do this, that happens. That could also be called karma. It's like action and reaction. But when it comes to the way we express ourselves, I mean, that really is true. So again, just inviting you to try it and see if that works for you. But try that phrase on. If you, you know, happen to wake up in the morning and you're just feeling stuck, like, I don't know how to be happy today. I've certainly had those days. I cannot imagine being happy today. It's just a bad day, right? Have you had that thought? I've got all this evidence for it. All these things are happening that I don't want. I wish all these things were different, so therefore it's a bad day. Well, as I mentioned last week, there's another way of framing that, and and I kind of have to do that because I just don't want to be miserable all day. Well, what about the other guests at the party as... uh, Vinny Ferraro says, yes, there's all these things that you don't like, and yes, those are happening, and we're not saying they're not, but what is happening that is good? It could be just, okay, the temperature's nice. I've got food to eat. Just starting with those small pieces of generosity that can break us free from the story that everything sucks. So try that. That was one idea. And then go do something for somebody else. I mean, I truly think that is probably the best cure for depression, anxiety, self-loathing, that small feeling where we feel so alone. Get up and just do your best to do something for another human being, even if it's simply going for a walk and smiling. Even if it's a fake smile, it doesn't matter. It's a kind of fake it till you make it type thing. It literally increases serotonin in our brain, and that's a feel-good hormone, and it helps the other person. And I promise you, it breaks you out of that cycle. I've tried it. It really works. It's not always easy because when we feel terrible, we just really want to believe that story. I know I do. It's just, you just want, some part of us wants it to be true. But if we can just take a breath enough to realize there is a way out of this, because I know many of us in midlife really struggle at times with big transitions, and it's not easy. So we've got to have some tools in the toolkit. So I gave you some last week. That's another one any type of generosity. And I'll just add to that, not just giving, but also being the receiver of generosity. That is a really tough one for me. For example, when someone gives you a compliment, could you just say, thank you, instead of, oh, you know, it's just an old thing, or the the things that we do to kind of bounce the generosity back to the other person. And I love the idea that if we do that, If we bounce the generosity back to the other person, we're actually preventing that person from having the benefits of being generous. And that's kind of selfish, so don't do that. (laughs) You know, I I grew up where accepting a compliment was unacceptable, was big-headed, and and you shouldn't accept compliments. It was a very unhealthy way to look at things, I think. But So I, I have an aversion to accepting compliments or certainly accepting gifts. Like I really prefer to be the one who is uh, not the one that's in debt, so to speak, to another, but the one that is on the opposite end of that. And that's just a mental mind state. But if we can accept generosity from others, we're actually giving them the gift. 
of being able to be generous. And, you know, if you understand how wonderful that is for the other person, don't take that away from them. Just say thank you. It's a real hard practice for me. It's like, just say thank you and then zip it. Don't add what I call the second part. So the second part might be, oh, thank you, but it's just an old dress. You know, it's no big deal. (laughs) You know, that need we have to add that second part, just zip it. I I challenge you to try that. So be generous yourself and then accept generosity from others and then just zip it. Just let it sit and let them experience the joy of being generous. And that's a, a lot of stuff to practice. But you can just do it while you're walking around. It doesn't cost any money. It doesn't really take any time. It's just a different way of being in the world that ultimately makes you happier. And so, you know, when we're talking about empowering midlife wellness, yeah, let's take care of our bodies. But don't forget to take care of your mind because all every experience that we have in the world is flavored by the little lens that we look through. And we do get to choose what that is. So that's my little piece of wisdom for today. Uh, I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed it. Share it with your friends. And I can't wait to see you next week. 